Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. I think that we included 180K of digital services. So we want to grow digital to a million. So we could probably be a 5.5 to $5.8 million firm. And we're just scratching the surface of, of figuring this thing out. We're, we're, we're hitting strides. Like January of this year, we grossed uh, 74,000, like I think, from the digital. It's just, it's really, really awesome. It's a great thing to add to your value ladder. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs serve a general population of people doing accounting for anyone with a business and taxes for anyone who needs a return. As a result, their experience is broad, but their expertise is diffuse. And because they don't go deep into one subject matter, it makes it hard to provide the enormous value that would warrant high fees. So rather than grow revenue by increasing value and therefore fees, the tendency is to grow revenue by increasing volume. This is a surefire on-ramp to the hamster wheel. Instead, occupying a narrow position in the marketplace can solve the aforementioned problems. Here today to talk with me about this is my guest, Brandon Hall. Brandon is the founder and managing partner at The Real Estate CPA. The firm serves more than 700 clients nationwide and has 30 employees. Brandon's goal is to create a modern firm that inspires change, is people first, and creates raving fans out of clients and employees. Brandon is also the co-host of the very popular Real Estate CPA podcast, where he and Thomas Castelli offer up valuable knowledge for real estate investors. Brandon, welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Before we get into your niche, real estate investors, can you help our listeners paint the path between how you got there from your time at PwC and Ernst & Young, connect the dots from there and going out on your own, just so we have a sense of your background and who you are. Sure, sure. Uh, so I graduated from college in 2013. I'm 31 years old. I joined PwC immediately after graduation and uh, spent about a year and a half there, jumped to Ernst & Young, spent another year and a half there. So my combined Big Four experience lasted about three years before I jumped ship and just ran this firm full time. Uh, while I was at the Big Four, you know, it's it's... <laughs> It's it's an it was an interesting experience to say the least. Uh, I mean, it's a good experience all in all. They, the big four hire really talented and smart people. My experience was that they don't invest nearly as much in leadership. You've got people leading teams that have no idea how to actually lead teams and 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 or or just how to lead people. They they, they know how to manage 
to KPIs and numbers and, and billable hours, but they don't know how to lead people. Uh, nobody sat me down and asked me, you know, wh- what are my big goals in life? Wh- what am I trying to get out of life? Wh- what do I want to earn? Nobody did that. And if they had done that, I would have told them that I want to earn half a million dollars by the time that I'm 30 years old. And maybe they laugh me out of the room, but maybe there's one person there that says, hey, we can actually build a path for that. Or maybe it's not 30 years old, maybe it's 35 years old, but here's what that path looks like. Let's see, let's see if you've got what it takes. But nobody even gave me that shot. Uh, so ultimately, I just decided that I could earn faster, I could run a business better if I just did it on my own. So I jumped ship, uh, started my own firm, and now we are, uh, we're probably the, if not, if not the, we're one of the fastest growing CPA firms in the United States. We, last year we grew, uh, grew revenues 45, 46%. Normally we average about 30 to 40% growth every year, but uh, that was 2016 that I jumped ship. And now I have 30 employees, 700 clients, and uh, we're on track to do probably $5 million this year. Holy smokes, that's quite a trajectory. So when you jumped ship, did you know before you left that you were going to niche? And did you know that you were going to niche in real estate investors? Tell us about your thought process in getting to the real estate investor niche. Yeah, so I actually knew really early on that I was just going to do real estate, or I was, I was at least going to try to just do real estate. And I know that a lot of people, when they start CPA firms, they're generalists, and then they try to niche in. But what I did is I actually started my firm while I was still working at the big four. So I would moonlight. I was working easily 80, 90 hour weeks for probably a good year and a half trying to build. But it was a lot of brand building. Um, I mean, it, it was probably a year of brand building before I even took my first client. And what I did is I found a website, or an, an online forum for real estate investors, and I just started answering tax questions. And eventually enough of them were saying that, or were asking if I was taking on clients that I just started saying yes. But I was able to, to kind of build this brand up so that I had this sort of inflow of leads that made it much more comfortable to jump ship. I, I wasn't jumping with uh, with with zero dollars of expected revenue. Um, I had already had about, I think, 90 or so thousand of, uh, of projected annual recurring revenue just from that brand building piece. But I, I had, um, when I was at PwC, I did a, I found some presentation that's like, basically it's like a 200 page PowerPoint slide and it's all about finding your passion. And I did that, and um, I just realized after that that I did not want to work. (laughs) So I was like, how do I not work? And then I found rental real estate. So the idea is you build out a rental portfolio, it all cash flows, and you can replace your day job income, and then you don't have to work, right? You just get tenants pay you money, and and you're done. Um, I bought my first rental right after I left PwC and and it was really really good. I still have it I still have it today. The returns are amazing, but it cash flows $700 a month. Uh, and I just kind of realized it was going to take me a really long time to buy rental real estate to replace my W2 income. Uh, so that's when I started looking for alternative ways to to build income sources or, or income streams. But it kind of just all sort of worked together timing-wise that I'd found this website with real estate investors. I was asking my own questions about my own rental portfolio or my, my own rental real estate. And then I saw a bunch of people asking tax questions. And it was all kind of clicking at the same time of like, 
this rental real estate's not going to get me to early retirement. I want to retire when I'm 30 years old and I don't anymore, but that was, that was what I wanted. I wanted to retire when I was 30 years old. So buy a bunch of rental real estate, but then I realized it's just going to take way too long. So what else can I do? I can start a tax firm and see where that goes. So were you ever nervous or apprehensive about focusing exclusively on real estate investors, real estate for your firm? Did you ever think, oh, this is going to exclude a bunch of potential buyers or I don't want to pigeonhole myself? Did any of those thoughts ever run through your head or was it obvious that to you that you just wanted to burrow in? Yeah, I think I think at the very, very beginning, I was asking questions to gain an understanding of what this niche actually looked like. Uh, but what I realized, what gave me a lot of confidence was two things. One, every CPA that I spoke to that was semi-running or totally running their own firm said, there's no money in rental real estate. There's no money in real estate clients. Don't go into real estate. So that told me nobody was really focused on real estate, which means that I can come in and take up a lot of the market share. I just have to figure out how to make the pricing work. But the second thing that gave me a lot of confidence, this online forum, it's, it's called biggerpockets.com. There were millions. Yeah, sure. We love Bigger Pockets. Yeah, Bigger Pockets is amazing. There, there were millions of, of real estate investors on that website. Now there's like 10x that. But this was back in 2015. I mean, there was there were so many. And so what I realized is, I can be the person for all of these people. I can be the CPA for all of these people, and I could care less if uh, if people think that real estate's a bad niche. It doesn't matter because I have I have a community here of a million landlords right here on BiggerPockets.com. All I have to do is answer tax questions. It's been working so far, so I don't have to worry about about anything else other than this one niche because I've got so many customers right here. Had I not found that website, I probably would have been a little bit nervous, but I decided really early on that I was going to be a virtual CPA firm. What I did is I started building systems from the very beginning, from day one. I built systems and processes. I built I built my brand. I built marketing materials, sales materials, all around being a virtual remote firm. So what that allowed me to do was, was quite literally consider this million pool of, of real estate investors as my potential customers, regardless of where they lived. When you started out, did you have a sort of um, minimum size client that you would take on? Did you take anybody in real estate? Was there, or did they have to have, like, did you start with the small fish or did you focus on the big fry or how did that work? I, I took on anybody, anybody that anybody that was in real estate that needed the CPA, I took you on, um, and that that was a big mistake. But I didn't know any better at the time. Uh, my pricing stunk. Okay, wait. Why was it a big mistake? Uh, it, it's just it, it, it's like that meme. There's a meme that's floating around on Twitter that I see every once in a while, and it's like, you know, the the client that's going to pay you fifty thousand dollars, they just wire it over to you and they say, "Cool, yeah, can't can't wait." And the client that's going to pay you five hundred dollars is like, "I need you to change these items of scope, and this doesn't make sense." And da 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 da. Look, the smaller clients, they care more about their budget, right? And uh, and they're going to, in general, not all clients are like this, but in general, smaller clients are a little bit harder to work with than larger clients. So do you now have a minimum under which you won't take a client on because they're just a bit too small for you? They're not ready for you yet? We do, yeah. Our minimum spend is, uh, it, it changes every once in a while, but I think right now it's about $5,500 a year. 
So that's between advisory and tax compliance, tax preparation. And what does that relate to in terms of size of size or quantity or cash flow properties? Uh, I would say most of our clients, m- most of our small clients these days have probably at least four properties. We, we do still get a lot of clients that have one. And these are typically like physicians who can pay the 5500 and just want somebody to make sure that it's all correct and they don't care what the cost is. But yeah, I would say most people have about four four properties or so, potentially a, an LLC that they are partners on with somebody. So we'll get that tax return as well. Um, th- those would be our smaller, smaller clients today. So before we change directions here, a couple more questions on the niche. Have you ever been bored in your real estate niche? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that I experience, experienced some boredom relatively recently. Re- recently, this is the first time in my entrepreneurial journey that I've finally got everything in place for the business to run itself. So, I mean, I could legitimately step away and, you know, we, we might lose out a little bit on the marketing and the branding front, but, um, but everything would run fine. I've got a VP of operations in place and he runs the day to day, runs the show and does a really good job of it. Um, so yeah, so I kind of struggled with, uh, with a little bit of a, a lack of identity or a sense of identity recently. And, um, there was some, I guess, boredom included in that. Cause just trying to figure out like, what do I do on a day-to-day basis? Because once I hired my VP of operations, I realized I had effectively just been a COO, uh, 80% of my time for the past six years. And now, now that's gone. I don't need that. And I don't need to be that anymore because my VP of operations is doing it. So, you know, I still do my 20% CEO time, but now it's like, all right, all of a sudden I have so much time on my hands and I don't know what I'm supposed to spend it on. Um, so I have a business coach to help me work through it, and we're good now. But uh, but yeah, that, that boredom kind of came relatively recently. More of, more of that just, just being part of that transition and not understanding what to focus on next. So it sounds like it took you, if I do the math right, five years to get to boredom. Yeah, yeah, about five years. I'm glad you brought this up. I want to pick up this thread about identity, and it sounds like you hired somebody to basically replace you. And so now the question is, well, now what do I do? And you've got the 20% CEO time, but it opens up a big white blank space on your calendar. And I asked you this question because I think a lot of people, business owners get stuck here. They kind of top themselves out because they're afraid of what it means to, in air quotes, replace themselves. So can you comment on what that's been like for you to kind of work through that piece of, well, who am I now if I'm not the COO of this company and Brandon, the guy that everybody comes to, have you worked your way through that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been interesting. Uh, I mean, there was a period of probably two months where I was just kind of twiddling my thumbs. I was working out a lot. Um, just didn't really know what I was supposed to do next. And I mean, I've got a business coach and he runs a hundred million dollar firm and he was kind of helping me through it. I always wanted to get here and here being like being an actual managing partner, being an actual CEO and not, not do, not being involved in the weeds. Like to the extent that I don't prepare tax returns, I don't review tax returns. I don't talk to clients anymore. If there's issues with clients, it's not me that handles them. I'll handle the big problems that come up, like really big problems with clients or employee problems. Um, I like to jump in on that type of stuff. But I always wanted to be here. But now that I'm here, it's like it's just kind of kind of weird. Um, so I'm not the type of person. I've never been the type of person that wants to work 10, 20 hours a week. Um, I, I want to. I'm a builder. I want to build things, and I want to see how far they can grow. I, I find a lot of joy out of providing opportunities to people. 
that's been the coolest thing about this firm and how fast we've grown it is that the the people in the firm are very young and they're getting exposure to opportunities much earlier in their career than they would ever get at a big four firm or a regional firm. And I've built it that way intentionally. We have extra income earning opportunities. Like I want to capture the next brand in with that e that conversation that nobody had with me at the big four. How much do you want to earn in your life? Uh, like what does that perfect number look like for you? And let's chart a path to get there. Um, I can do that here and I can do that confidently because of how fast we grow, because we have this information business that runs on 90% margins and that's growing rapidly. We just have so much opportunity. So I find a lot of joy out of that. So what I've done is uh, after, after a lot of talking with my coach, um, I've transitioned into basically marketing, uh, just kind of really trying to build out my information business right now. We did $200,000 of it last year. We're selling courses online and memberships. Uh, this year, we want to do at least a million, and it runs at 90% margins. Um, so I'm, I'm spending a lot of time building that out, and then I'm also spending a lot of time coaching my staff and my leaders on basically like how I would want them. I, I want them to be an extension of me, essentially, and that takes a lot of investment on my part. So I meet with them on a weekly basis to just kind of go over different problems that they're experiencing, give them feedback. And that's largely what my role has become today is just much more marketing, brand building, and and then uh, employee coaching and, and just building our next generation of leaders. I love that. I love that you provided the opportunity to those underneath you that you wish you had had when you were of a similar age. Yeah, it's it, just a real quick comment on that because it's really cool. And I think that a lot of, uh, I'm in this like CPA group and I mentioned it uh, the other week. And, uh, and I've had like almost all of them reach out to me at this point saying like, wait, how do we do this? It's a really cool opportunity in the digital space that CPAs are not taking advantage of. I mean, what all I'm doing is I'm, I'm not selling to other CPAs. I, I created the tax course that I sell to not our clients because our clients, it's a minimum spend of $5,500 a year. A lot of landlords with one or two properties can't afford that, but I want to help all landlords. So what do I do? I created a digital course. It's just pre-recorded videos of me, and we launch them uh, once we launch the courses. We have multiple versions now, but we launch the courses once a month, and we have live Q and As with that. So we get a bunch of people into like this little social network. And then we, we give them a live Q&A every single week. So they watch the videos, they show up to live Q&A, they do the homework that we assign. Uh, and and I, I think that we're legitimately going to hit a million dollars of revenue this year at 900K margins. But what's really cool about that is that now when I have the conversations, that the performance and comp conversations that every leader dreads, I love them, but a lot of people dread them. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm making 70,000, but I want to make 120. Now I get to legitimately tell them, hey, I have an, you can, you can make 120,000 by staying with me for seven years, going up through the ranks, getting bonuses and, and getting your salary up, right? Or uh, you can probably tack on 30 to 40K this year. I don't know if we can get you to 120, but we could probably tack on 30 to 40K this year alone if you were to create a course that I can then go sell and I'll give you 30% of the revenue. And so we just did this with a bookkeeping course. One of our accountants made a bookkeeping course um, and we're giving her 30% of the revenue that we sell. And we just sold 20, $28,000, $29,000 worth. Uh, this was last week. So now she's gonna get a big check and what is she gonna wanna do? She's gonna wanna do it again, right? But 
I'm providing her the platform to do this on. And the audience. Yeah, yeah, and she's providing the content. So we both win. Everybody wins in the end. I keep an amazing employee happy because I'm giving her this big comp increase, but she's working for it. You know, it's not just, sure, yeah, let me just give you this bonus just because. Okay, so let's talk about your information business that runs on 90% margins. You mentioned in there that so few CPAs are selling digital content when they have 55,000 pages of tax code stuffed in their head and they could easily create something, tar- I mean, easily in air quotes, um, create something targeted to a specific audience that they package and sell in a one to infinity, one to many um, kind of situation. But so few people are doing it that it's, I think for some, it's hard to create it because they don't know what it should look like. And there's kind of very few models to look at to kind of replicate. Can you walk listeners through your product ladder, if you will, the different services that you offer that are not one-to-one service? Great question, by the way. Um, everybody needs a product ladder. I, we, we, we use the term value ladder here uh, to describe our various offerings, but everybody, everybody needs that. So um, on the very low end, we have a free offer, and that free offer is a Facebook group that we have for real estate investors. We call it Tax Smart Real Estate Investors. As of today, we have 8,000 people in it, and we've just started uh, using Facebook ads this week to try to grow that. So we've we've made the connection. Ironically, we did not make the connection earlier, but we made the connection last month as we were trying to figure out how do we scale this information business to a million bucks, that it all starts at that Facebook group. Because people get into that Facebook group and they tag me and my part, one of my partners, Thomas. I have uh, three partners, but one of my partners, Thomas, they tag both of us. So they'll ask a question like, hey, uh, real estate professional status, how does it work on my portfolio, yada, yada, Brandon, Tom, they'll tag us, right? And so new people to the Facebook group keep seeing Brandon and Tom's name popping up as the, as the authority figures in the group. Uh, so when we make the ask of, hey, we have this course that we would love to sell you, they're more likely to buy than if we just pulled a random person off the street in the digital world and had they had no idea who we were and we asked them to buy. So effectively what that means, what it all translates to is it's going to cost us lower dollars, so fewer dollars to advertise at the end of the day to get people into the group and get them to buy this um, this course. So, so our, our first offering is a Facebook group. I would recommend, if anybody's going to do this, I would recommend starting there. If you don't know where to start, you don't know how to build this stuff out, just start with a Facebook group. Just can, can you get a community going? It doesn't have to be massive. It, it can be 100 people. Uh, once there's 100 people in it, you're probably going to get a post a day. So people are going to ask you tax questions. You're going to answer the tax questions. Over time, you're going to see a pattern to what they're asking and what they're really interested in. And that's what you build your course around. And and your courses are, are two hours a week of video content and then a live Q&A a week. You can do two, three, four-week courses. We've experimented with six-week courses, but we've, we've had the best success with two and four-week courses so far. Um, but that's what we build the content around. We just we just literally pull Zoom up, hit record, and start talking, and that becomes video number one. You have a slide presentation that goes with it. So that's our next step on our value ladder. It goes to that Facebook group, then the course. But what we're working on right now is we're working on a book to be in between there. We're working on um, lower cost courses that are kind of like beginner courses that'll step you up even for. So the idea is like, how do you just get people to continue to want to buy the next thing and you just offer them an incredible amount of value for whatever they've paid. So they come into the Facebook group, they get our book, they read the book and they see, 
and I should take take this beginner course. They take the beginner course for $47. And that beginner course says, by the way, if you want to learn more about real estate professional status, here's our $497 course. They go and they take that one. And then they, they go through that and they realize that they're a real estate professional, that they can save $20,000 in taxes if they just do XYZ things. And then they look at our $5,500 option to join our actual CPA firm and they're ready because they've just saved $20,000 by spending 497 bucks with us. So what are they what's the value going to look like when they spend $5,500 with us? And uh in those people that are ready to to those people that have ascended your value ladder, they call it ascending the value ladder. Uh, Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels. He's you get all of his books. This is where all this comes from. So they ascend the value ladder, meaning that they start at the free, then they go to the the next thing, the the basic course, then the bigger course, and then they go to your one-on-one services and you're charging premiums and things like that. But as they ascend the value ladder, a lot of people will drop off and that's okay. They'll circle back at some later point, um, but there's no argument about your prices. So, so when we have people come through our courses and we say it's $5,500 a year to work with us, they go, cool. When we have people that fill out our web form on our website and we go, it's $5,500 to fill out our website or to, uh, to work with us, uh, 80% of them go, no thanks, because that price is just a big barrier. But we land, it was, uh, we were looking at the data, it was like 95% of the people that inquire after they go through the course, we land um, as clients. So it's just, it's just a really smooth sales process. It starts at 5,500. How high does it go? Uh, I mean, it goes up to, I think our largest client, we bill 350 a year, 350,000 a year. And so, I mean, we, we work with, um, we have a CFO group in our firm that, uh, that provides CFO services and outsourced accounting services to large real estate syndications and funds like private equity funds. Um, so we, you know, we're billing them $20,000 a month for accounting and then a hundred thousand for the tax return and uh, billing in arrears or priced up front. So that, but because the, the, those really large ones, we, uh, as much as I hate hourly billing, we do bill hourly on those. Um, I, we have not yet figured out a way to fix or value price. Uh, there's just too many variables that are constantly in flux and yeah. And all of the competitors, this is the other sucky thing whenever you get into that type of a space all of your competitors uh are billing hourly so if you're the oddball that's not billing hourly when you're when you're trying to land a client that's going to pay you 300k a year you don't want to be the oddball is what we've learned so we we are trying to figure out how to transition those clients into fixed in value billing but we don't know how to do that yet not at that level every everything else is fixed in our firm I know someone you could talk to about that. <laughs> so you have high-level CFO services. Is it fractional or is it like full-on CFO? Well, I've never really understood the difference. I mean, it, the, the firms outsource their CFO role to us, and we manage their accounting department. We, we interact with all their investors, provide the reports and everything that they need to make decisions, and we're part of that decision-making. And how many clients do you think you have ballpark at the, at the CFO level? who have outsourced their CFO services to you? We have 22. So can you give us a sense of the balance of your firm? How much is it? I think the probably the metric I'm looking for is in revenue, what percent ballpark is one-to-one service and what percent is digital products, one-to-many leverage services or leverage products? Uh, so 2021, we grew us 3.9 million and our... Uh, our digital was about one hundred eighty thousand uh, dollars, sorry, about about one hundred ninety, one hundred ninety, two hundred thousand, somewhere in there. 
Um, so about 3.7 million is the the tax compliance, the advisory services. But we we've broken our business up into various revenue streams. We have the CFO level clients uh, that brings in about a million dollars a year. We have um, what we call tax planning and advisory that brings in about a million dollars a year. And then we have tax preparation, which is about a one point. Uh, it's about 1.5. We do have accounting that's about 350k or so. 1.4. 1.4 is tax prep. So if you just look specifically at how many tax returns we're doing, we're doing it's about 1.4 million last year. But this upcoming year, I mean, our projections are five are five million just on all of that. That doesn't even include the digital. I think that we included 180k of digital services. So we want to grow digital to, digital to a million. So we could probably be a 5.5 to 5.8 million dollar firm uh this this year depending on how much that digital piece grows so it's gonna it's gonna end up being a really large part of our business going forward because it works so well um and we're just scratching the surface of of figuring this thing out we're 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 hitting strides like january of this year we grossed uh 70 like 4000 i think from the digital so I mean we're we're already you know almost half of what we were last year just in one month of uh, of this year. So we're we're th- that's the big focus. That's the big focal point for me. I was told recently that digital education firms can sell for like 15x EBITDA. That also another reason to dive headfirst into that. Uh, but it's just such a really it, it it's it it fills a really good need for clients or for potential clients. Like it, it just helps you build your ecosystem of people. Um, fills a really great need, allows you to talk to tons of people. It gives you a downsell opportunity. Like if somebody comes in and they're like, Oh, I don't want to spend $5,500 with you. That's not worth it. And you go, cool. Why don't you go take our course instead? It's $497. You get a lot of good information. It's just kind of DIY and they go, okay, cool. So now you got, you don't feel bad about having to down price somebody or negotiate. It's just, it's really, really awesome. It's a great thing to add to your value ladder. And it's, it's something that is just going to continue to grow as as digital marketing continues to grow. So by my numbers, it looks like at the moment, five, it's 5% of your revenue, just napkin math here, which is, it's always dangerous to do napkin math on a podcast, but I think that's... Um I think that's close if I got the right amount of zeros in there. Um, and it sounds like if you want to go to 1 million out of five, you're looking at close, you're looking at more like in the 20% something. So that's a pretty steep push on that. But because it's so scalable, once you figure out the formula and you figure out what works and what people are buying and how to get people through your funnel, then you just pour gas on it and it just kind of goes to into hyperspace. That's the beautiful thing about it is once you figure it out, it's literally a matter of ad spend. How much money can you spend on ads? And then it's just this this feedback loop, right? Because you can you can figure out how much you can spend on ads, and you can spend more, and then you can yeah, it's just it's awesome. You don't we're not sitting there teaching the classes over and over again, right? We've just pre recorded all this stuff, so. or answering them for free on the phone, and then the client doesn't the prospect doesn't become a client, right? Yeah, no, I, the be- best hedge for that is to hire a salesperson. They will <laughs> yeah, not do no. that. <laughs> okay, so a couple more questions here. Do you foresee? a paid membership because right now you've got your free Facebook group and you have a course at 47. You might do your book at 19 bucks or whatever. Do you foresee just converting whole hog to membership where you are the Netflix for real estate investors and it's, you know, 197 a month, come in, come out, binge as much as you want, uh, but stay because it's just so good. Yeah. um, I think, I think once we build a course catalog, we will do something like that. We do have a membership group right now for $49 a month. And it basically 
is like a more premium version of that free Facebook group. So with the $49 a month, they get added to what we call an insiders Facebook group. And uh, there's about 130 people in that group. And we do weekly live Q and A's with a CPA on our team. And that's pretty much it. I mean, we, we have like gated content that they can access that we update once a week. So we do write a blog and that, that's pretty much it. So we are trying to figure out if that's something that we want to continue building and scaling or if we just do what you were kind of suggesting where you just kind of you just create a ton of different courses and you just sort of become become the Netflix for um, people looking for tax advice. I'm not really sure how that how that would work um, right now. The way that we build, the way that we've built our courses out, is we can very strategically push people to the next course. So now people, like like the people that buy these courses, don't buy one course. They'll buy two or three courses because we're at the end of the the four week you know course. We're saying, by the way, you just learned all this tax stuff. You probably also need to learn the bookkeeping stuff too. If you want to buy the bookkeeping, you know, we're going to give you a, since you just took this course, we're going to give you a 25% discount that you can't get anywhere else. Is this something you want to do? And we convert 50% of those people into that course. I don't know how, like the catalog, as we build it out, how, how that strategy is going to change, but we'll see. So all this sounds reasonably sophisticated in terms of being able to track users and what they're watching and stuff like that. What kind of platform backs this up? Are you on Kajabi or Member Vault or um, or anything like that? We were using Kajabi and I forget why we switched, but now we use Mighty Networks and we've been using that for a number of years. Uh, that works really well. We have Member Press on our, um, or sorry, I don't even have to talk about Member Press. We use ClickFunnels to build the funnels and the landing pages. Uh, when somebody signs up in ClickFunnels, a Zap, we have a, a Zap, a Zapier, Zapier, to um, to automatically fire and add them to to Mighty Networks and send them emails and all that type of stuff. Uh, we use HubSpot to build lists, email lists. So whenever somebody buys something, they get added to a specific list for that specific month. So yeah, everything everything's very. Um, I'm I'm very big on data and very big on making decisions that are backed by data. We have in the past. At the CPA firm, not not the info business, but at the CPA firm, I've allowed people to make decisions that are subjective and not rooted in fact, and that has uh, led us astray. It's stunted growth. It's led to employee problems. Um, so I've learned that lesson. So now I don't. I I really challenge my team whenever decisions are being made to find the data, find the truth, and make sure that that it's objective and that it's not just, it's okay if it's just your opinion, but it needs to be very clear that it's just your opinion. Cause so we've, we've all run into the people that will tell you they'll get red in the face that it's gotta be a certain way, but then they have nothing to actually back that up. Yeah. So. And strong <laughs> passions can sometimes override. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Do you think this would have been possible had you not niche? Like you mentioned earlier, start with a Facebook group. Do you think that a person could just start with a Facebook or should they pick a niche or a position in the marketplace and then start the Facebook group? I, I would pick a niche. I mean, I, I, I mean, we, we as a firm have looked at other firms to potentially acquire and, uh, and we don't look at firms that don't have niches because the, the brand you can win on brand strength alone when you niche. You will be able to build a brand where you, where you'll be the go-to person, and that will create multi-million-dollar revenue streams for you when you niche. And when you don't niche, you're just you're giving all of that up. 
Um, so I, I would suggest niching first. You don't have to go super, you know, deep. Like like in real estate, you could be the landlord CPA. You can be the short term rental CPA. You could be, you know, the the developer, or the construction CPA, or whatever. I would recommend going a little bit higher than that. That's why we are the real estate CPA. We didn't want to go super niche, super fast because. When I was starting out, I didn't know if landlords were going to be more profitable than short-term rentals or more profitable than construction. I didn't know. So I just figured as long as I was in this industry and I was niched in that industry, then at least we could collect data and start to learn. Um, But yeah, I would niche first, build a community around that niche. People are much more likely to want to join a community that they have an interest in being a part of. So if you're just a general CPA and you're just providing a general tax, you know, group, nobody's going to join that group because you're not speak. Nobody cares about taxes. Nobody's interested in taxes. Nobody's interested in taxes, (laughs) but everybody's interested in joining a group of like-minded people that are all trying to learn together. That that's what people are interested in. And if taxes is the subject, now all of a sudden everybody's interested in taxes, but nobody's, you're not gonna be able to walk up to anybody on the street and convince them to join your tax group. But you could walk up to somebody and say, are you a real estate investor? Yeah. Hey man, I could save you $10,000 if you just join this Facebook group because there's people like you asking questions all the time and you're going to learn a lot of stuff that you didn't know about. What do you say? Sure, I'm in. Yeah. People are interested in keeping more money in their pocket. For people who are fully aligned with everything that you're saying and they're like, yes, 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 this is so great. I want to do this in my, I want to, I want to do my version of this, maybe not in real estate, but in a separate niche, but they're still kind of um, at the very beginning for them. Where do you think they should start? What's next for them? Uh, I would start a Facebook group. I would go onto Facebook. I would pick a niche if you don't already have one. Uh, and, and to pick a niche, just find something that you're interested in. I mean, I, I ran into real estate because I was buying a rental property myself and I was interested in using real estate to build wealth. And then I realized along the way, people need real estate investors needed tax advice. That's how I fell into this entire thing. But you know, for, for you, just start with something that you're already interested in. See if there's a market there, and a great way to test if there's a market is to create a Facebook group around it. And uh, if you're the CPA for dog walkers, cool. You're you're gonna create the Tax Smart Dog Walker group on on Facebook, and you're gonna start inviting a bunch of people to it, uh, a bunch of dog walkers to it. You know, I don't know if that is viable, but you get what I'm trying to say. Start start with the Facebook group. Yeah. Well, the thing that's viable is you start with the Facebook group for dog walkers and maybe the money is not in the tax returns for dog walkers, but the money is in the 100,000 email addresses that you collect over time that IAM's dog food wants to market to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can think well outside the box beyond just like the delivery and the service that you're providing. Uh, just, just a quick note, because when I when I get into conversations like this, sometimes people are like, well, I don't have Facebook or oh, Facebook's a waste or I'm really jaded and Facebook's, a, you know, whatever. For whatever reason, you hate Facebook. I get it. That's fine. Trust me, as somebody that has used every major platform and has invested significant time, I'm not a digital marketer. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I don't have an ex- I'm not going to say I have an expertise here. Um, but as a, as a fellow CPA who has tried to derive business on every major platform, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all the platforms, YouTube, um, Facebook has been the best by far. Because you, what you're doing on Facebook is you're creating, when, when you create a group, you're creating a community. And that is where the world is trending. The, the world is trending towards online communities 
to talk about your product, to talk about your services, and to ultimately sell your services. So I, I think that we're just at the very beginning of this sort of, and, and it's been there for years. It's, you know, this has all been around, but I think that we're kind of at the very beginning of this phase of community-based buying, community-based selling. Um, I promise you, you will not have bad results if you create a Facebook group, niche it, invite people that are are related to that niche, invite them to come participate and uh, answer questions that are posted for six months, you won't regret it. I so don't want to start a Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this has been so awesome. If people want to find you, where can they do that? So if you want to connect with me uh, and you're not in real estate, you can check me out on LinkedIn. I think you can actually just Google like Brandon Hall CPA or something and I should pop up. Um, so connect with me on LinkedIn or, or Twitter. I'm starting to build my Twitter account out. So at B Hall CPA, I think is my my tag. I should memorize those. We'll confirm it and get it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if you are in real estate, you can always check us out at that Facebook group. It's called Tax Smart Real Estate Investors on Facebook. We'll get all those links in the show notes for listeners who want to find you. This has been amazing, Brandon. Thank you for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Holy smokes. Now you have the playbook for avoiding the tax factory and taking the direct route to a $5 million firm. If you want to be creating value for which you get 90% margins, building out digital courses and getting on the path to subscription, head over to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com to check out the results clients get from working together. Then take the next logical step and subscribe to my daily drip newsletter. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.